Highlight cuts courtesy of the Baylor Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. Bruce Geetson, Maggie Davis-Stinnett with the calls from this past season, a season that, uh, like basketball all over the country, ended way too soon. Welcome back. Glad you're with us and pleased to be joined by the voice of Lady Bear Basketball. Bruce Geetson joins us this morning. Bruce, how you doing? I'm good, John. Uh, well, good morning to you and Q as well. I'm glad to be with you today. Good, good. What you got going on today? Well, I'm teaching by uh, by online. You know, oh, nice. With aspiring journalists in the Baylor Student Media Department and got some online web calls. Those have been more frequent. And uh, setting that up and doing some planning for next year and also keeping an eye on the What's happening with the WNBA draft is going to be coming up Friday night. Yeah, I want to talk to you about that. Uh, okay. has, has, uh, are you getting more comfortable with this, the online teaching and things like that? Is it kind of getting more comfortable for everybody? Well, you know, you, you spend all this time, John, thinking about, well, I'm going to get all my work done at the office and not take it home with me. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then you have to change it and take all your work home with you. Yes. So, but. Yeah, I'm I'm getting uh, getting fairly proficient on Zoom and WebEx and you know, Kaltura and all those. And so it's an adjustment for the students and for the professors and the administrators. But uh, we're managing, and the kids have a good attitude about it, you know. And so uh, it is what it is, and we need to keep the, the number one thing is keeping everybody safe and the social distancing. So we're making it work. Yeah, absolutely. Well, staying at home is a big part of that. So uh, thanks for doing your part there. Uh, we mentioned uh, mentioned the basketball season that ended way too soon. Uh, walk us back to that point when you guys, I guess you were sitting on a plane ready to go to Kansas City for the Big 12 tournament and then sat there for a while and then ultimately uh, unloaded and never even made the trip to Kansas City. Well, John, it was, you know, we had that game in Iowa State that was a disappointment, and I think in some ways that was going to be a motivating factor in the postseason. And we were on the plane at the head of the tarmac at Waco Regional uh, with the charter jet getting ready to head to Kansas City for the Big 12 tournament. They revved up the engines. We were all getting ready to take off. And then all of a sudden, they shut them down. Uh. And we went, what's going on? Is there a problem with the plane? And Kim got on the uh, uh, on the PA system and said she'd just gotten a call from Mac Roads. And they're saying, hold on for about 30 or 40 minutes, and we'll see. Uh, they're having a conference call right now about whether they're going to have the tournament. Everybody just kind of sat there and stunned silence. And and we waited about half an hour, and then Kim said, uh, the Big 12 tournament's been canceled. Uh. And disappointing, we pulled the plane back up and took all the luggage out. And that was an emotional moment for uh, the players and the seniors, especially thinking if they played their last game and they didn't even know it was the last game. But there was still hope at that time that there was going to be an NCAA tournament. What was the what was the thoughts? You mentioned the seniors and how it was very emotional. I mean, we're thinking about Lauren Cox. We're thinking about Taya Cooper, you know, and uh, Juicy. What were they thinking at that moment when they were unloading off the plane? Well, I think they were disappointed uh, and still but hopeful that there was going to be an NCAA tournament. And, of course, they were going to get to play the first two games at the Farrell Center if that happened. But I think deep down maybe some of them uh, were concerned and maybe afraid that, everything was going to be scrapped and then so that was that was certainly a possibility even at that point and i know uh, there were some tears being shed and concern and, and uh, there was some goodbyes being said i mean because there weren't any practices scheduled at that point in time either because you just didn't know what the future held 
Yeah, that was a really strange time. And then not long after that, word comes down that, uh, you know, the entire NCAA tournament, you know, had been scrapped. I guess everybody had sort of gone their different ways by then, right? Well, uh, I think they had. Everybody had, had, had uh, you know, gone home because there was a break there for a, for a number of days. The tournament was going to be the rest of that week. Yeah. And if, uh, if you started NCAAs, that was going to be two weeks away. And so I think a lot of people took advantage of it and went home. And I think it was just, it was disappointing because too, I think the team really wanted to prove something in the NCAA. They were defending national champions. And I think uh, they wanted to face Oregon or South Carolina and, and, and see what they could do. I think they, they beaten Oregon of course last year and then lost to South Carolina this year. And I think they wanted to show that uh, they, uh, I don't know if they were being overlooked, but you know Oregon was the media darlings of uh, this year, and I think there was uh, a lot of. I wanted to see what Dee Dee Richards was going to do against Sabrina, you know? <laughs> and I wanted to see you know how we would fare against South Carolina with a with a full roster with Lauren Cox in there, and that was a you know that was an interesting game. It was unusual because it was in the Virgin Islands, a different environment. We didn't have Lauren. And Taya was her first game against South Carolina, and I think she maybe was trying a little bit too hard, trying to uh, do too much and prove that uh, she could still play to her ex-teammates. And I would have liked to have seen uh, both those games in a different environment, and both of them could have happened the way the Final Four bracket was going to be set up. We talked about it earlier in the show that last year when they went on their national championship run, it felt like, okay, make it to the Final Four, and then we'll see what happens. This year it felt like it was no doubt they were going to make it to the Final Four. I think most people felt that way, and I don't think there was going to be. I mean, anything can happen in the in the uh, you know in the NCAA tournament, as, as we've seen in the past a couple of times. But I think the general consensus was they weren't. It wasn't going to be a really big test until they got maybe to the Elite Eight game, and uh, then it was it was almost a given. And because the road was New Dallas, which would have been a, a familiar crowd and a lot of Baylor fans there, and then going to New Orleans, and that was a motivating factor for for Kim and Moon and. Uh, as well, because it was going to be in Louisiana. So I, I think a lot of people kind of expected that that was going to happen, which is a little bit dangerous if you think about <laughs> right. it. Still, you know, you, you, you've got to feel like the top three teams in that four were going to be Baylor, South Carolina, and Oregon. And the mystery was who was the fourth team going to be. And Gino was going to say, well, it's going to be Connecticut. <laughs> but that depended on seeding, you know, so – Bruce Geetson, our guest, Baylor women's basketball play-by-play. I want to talk WMBA, but uh, I want to ask you this question. Q and I were talking about it uh, before I forget. So uh, two years doing women's basketball. Uh, when was your first uh, knowledge of Mulkey time? How, how quick into your time traveling with them did you discover Mulkey time? Well, first shot at it was before we even started playing games. When I had so, <laughs> so many people say, hey, uh, you got to know the the itinerary will say six fifteen, but you need to be there by six because it's go. on monkey time. And I <laughs> I heard the stories about you know how she you know, she she left her son off the bus in New York one time because <laughs> he right. was late and had him take a cab you know to the game. And so I had been warned a lot, but then I know there was one road trip, maybe about four games into the uh, into the first season, and I was trying to get everything packed and and I, I just hypothetically the bus was going to leave at 12.15 and it was like 12.10 and I was headed downstairs and Maggie texted me, says, are you coming? We're ready to go. And I'm like, oh man. Oh, <laughs> so, man. <laughs> so I think I was the last person on the bus, but it's just, 
it's a given. Even the sponsors, the tip-off club people that travel with us, sometimes they get down there 30 minutes before call time. And <laughs> when, when Kim arrives, you're ready to go. That's monkey time, and everybody knows it. That's it. I mean, it's a real thing. It's not a myth. It's yeah. it's, it's a real no. thing. It really is. <laughs> you know, and there's and there's there's a there's an agenda for when you leave. John Derrickson's out an itinerary, and then when you get to the stadium, <clears throat> Kim told uh, Kim told Maggie and I very early on, hey, when we do typically we've done the pregame interview. We did it with Rick uh, on the day of the game, and we do it an hour before tip off, and and uh, just please be there in the office waiting when I get there so we can do it because. Time's tight, and so uh, that's the schedule we stayed on. And she was comfortable on it. She's been, she was very gracious, and, and has been for two years, and and given us uh, uh, access, you know, when other people don't, because a lot of times we're considered part of the team. Bruce, how's it been for you and Maggie on this two-year run? I mean, you go to the national championship game, win that national championship, and then this team, like we mentioned earlier, looked like they were poised to be a Final Four team. But you've had a pretty good run as the as the voice of the Lady Bears. Well, it's been a real blessing, Q, and thank you, John, for that. And Maggie and I talk about that frequently. And then I also am reminded of it after we play Big 12 games and we see the other play-by-play guys from the other state. They go, wow, two years, and you're going to go to two Final Fours? How's that happen, you know? And so we we have felt really lucky, and you know, it's it's certainly not a case of have national championship or travel. I mean, we're we're with them, and we want to. Uh, we just feel really blessed that we've had the chance to do that. And we were pinching ourselves last year to be in the national championship game in our first year. And every time I see Rick May, I thank him as well for choosing when he retired. So, <laughs> <laughs> and and. Rick's been great about it, but I, you know, and, and he's, he's, he has stayed a big fan and has Lori, but it's just, uh, it's been a heck of a ride. And I can't say enough for how, how helpful and gracious, you know, the coaches have been and coach Mulkey and, and everyone. And it's just, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I've, I've done a lot of fun, fun things in 33 years in broadcasting and it's the first time to do basketball play by play. And it's been, uh, it's been a blast guys. And I'm, I hope it continues. I expect that it will. All right, let's talk uh, WNBA draft comes up yeah. on Friday. Uh, the projections I've seen have uh, both Lauren Cox and Taya Cooper in the top ten. Top eight is what I saw. And then Juicy Landrum going a little bit later. What What are you seeing and hearing about the uh, Baylor seniors? I think the, the real suspense is not uh, it's not Lauren Cox. It's Taya Cooper and, and Juicy Landrum, I think, you know, had uh, – Satsu Sabali not declared early. I think Lauren would be the second pick in the draft. And that would have been perfect to be picked by the Dallas Wings and playing your hometown. And uh, what I hear now is Dallas is leaning toward uh, Sabali. We'd say she would have been the number one pick had uh, Sabrina Ionescu not uh, been in the draft. But I think Oregon will go one and two. And then I think Lauren um, here will probably go to Indi- Indiana with the third pick. And that's a pretty good matchup for her because they've already got Tierra McCown, the six seven center from from uh, Mississippi State, and so in a way, it's it's a return to that Kalani Brown Lauren Cox high low post matchup that she'd get to do, and I and, uh, and of course Lauren Lauren's probably the top defensive player in the draft uh, come out, and I think every WNBA team can use that and put her on post players for other teams. So I I expect that that's what will happen uh, with Lauren. Now I've seen projections like you. John and talked to a few people. I've seen, um, I've seen Taya go as high as you said at eighth. I've seen her slip into the second round, hmm. and because there's a that that second tier of players after the top four or five, 
is pretty extensive. And so I've seen her go as low as like the fifth or sixth pick in the second round. And then uh, for Juicy Landrum, I've seen her, uh, most of the projections have her going in the third round, but I saw one that had her up uh, late in the, in, have her going in the third round. I've seen one that had her going late in the second round. So depends on the needs of those individual teams. And you got to remember, there's only 12 teams. It's not like the NBA. Right. Mm-hmm. Bruce, what what are what is a team getting in the in in, uh, in Juicy Landrum, the La Vega product? If they they bring her onto their team, what are the, what, what do you as a guy who's been covering them for the last two years and been the voice of them? Uh, what do you expect to, to see from Juicy Landrum on the next level? The, uh, the impression that people have of Juicy, the first one is, wow, she's a sharpshooter. She's a great three point shooter, and she is. I think they'd like to see her shoot a little bit more. And then she did and take a, the, you know, she didn't lead the Lady Bears in three-point shots this year. Taya wow. did. She had one more than Juicy. Because Taya was fearless. You know, there were four or five games where she'd get the opening tip, go down and shoot a three about five seconds into the game. <laughs> and uh, and that was a dimension she added that Chloe didn't bring last year uh, or the year before. So uh, so Juicy, the, imp- the impression is that she's a sharpshooter, but she does a lot more. She is a really good perimeter defensive player. And then when Dee Dee would get in foul trouble, then uh, Kim would switch Juicy off uh, to, to play on the star for the other team or the top scorer for the other team, and Juicy was effective at it. And Juicy also did a very good job with assists and rebounding from outside. And so I think she's multidimensional. I think people are going to recruit her or are going to try to sign her and draft her uh, as a shooter, but they're going to get more than that. Uh, one thing I think they're going to have to work on is, is is confidence in getting her to shoot more. You know, she made, I think, 50, 55 or 56 threes, and 14 of them came in that one incredible game against Arkansas State. Bruce, final thoughts. Uh, how about uh, Kim being selected for the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame and then D.D. Uh, Richards with the national honor, really the consensus national defensive player of the year this year? Isn't it great? We're going to have both of them back next year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? so, well, I think Kim is very deserving of the Naismith Award. You know, it's the one one hall that she's not in that she should have been, and I think it's awesome that they uh, put all eight of those nominees in. They were all eight deserving. You know, Kim really wanted Eddie Sutton to get in there, and how are you going to say no to Kobe Bryant? And, and uh, you know, and Tim Duncan, and so so. I think that's maybe the best class they've ever put in the Naismith uh, overall. And I think Kim's well deserving uh, of that award. And when you think at all that she's done, not just as a player, but the assistant coach and as the coach. And so, and I'm glad Baylor has her. She's a treasure uh, for the Baylor athletic program. And so, I think she's a, that's going to be exciting in August, seeing seeing that induction ceremony. Dee Dee, I'm glad we got her back for another year. And she's going to be something you can build your defense around. And, I mean, you think of, of the returning players. You've got Nalissa and Queen now going into their third year. That's going to be strong in the post. You've got uh, some good people coming in. You've got Caitlin Bickle. Moon Urson is going to have a bigger role next year. Uh, and then, of course, Dee Dee uh, can run the point. And if she needs to, and can play defense and, and uh, get her to shoot a little bit more, have confidence in her shots. The interesting thing about Dee Dee, she stepped up come crunch time late in both uh, the last two years in making some shots. They dare her to shoot, and she takes them. Really effective on that backdoor cut going to the basket. And so I think uh, she's going to be one of the building blocks uh, for Kim to 
build on for the next year. And we'll see how the style changes. We'll see how the two freshmen coming in, uh, Gusters and Andrews, from uh, from up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I'll tell you a little story back when we were at St. Thomas uh, for the jam there. And I was, you know, this is a tough part of the job, guys. I was sitting on a chase lounge on the beach. Yeah, yeah, my yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was, the, I was the only one out there. Well, there's one other person out there, and I was about four or five chairs away because I wanted to be in some shade. And then I figured out, and Kelly Graves came over and talked out of the eye. It was one of the assistant coaches from Oregon. Okay. And so we're, we started talking because I had a Baylor cap on, and I said, and I started talking about our teams and about that final four. He was very complimentary of Baylor's defense in the final four matchup last year. And uh, then he said, hey, people aren't talking about it much, but those two recruits you guys got uh, in Andrews and Gusters from, from Irving, he said, you guys did good. Those are two really good players. And I thought that was interesting. He didn't have to say that, but to come out and talk about them that way. And he said, they're going to be under the radar, not the top recruits, but they're, they were both top ten recruits. And so um, you know, kudos to Bill Brock and Satya and the recruiting people for getting uh, both of those to commit to Baylor. And so that certainly gives you a, a good feeling about next year. And we throw one other thing in there about Lauren Cox before we leave. Guys, last year when Kalani was going to be a number one pick, on a halftime show I did uh, an interview with the Dallas Wings assistant coach. Uh, not assistant coach, he was a scout, assistant administrator, assistant GM. And, and we talked about Kalani and her future and being a first-round pick. And then as soon as we turned the tape recorder off, I got peppered with questions for about five minutes about Lauren Cox. <laughs> And he wanted to know, you know, what's she like as a player? How is she on the court? The other players like her. And, of course, all my answers were glowing answers. She's like a coach on the floor. So they've had her their eyes on her for a while. And, and I think they'd be picking her if Sabali had not declared early to come out. Wow, interesting. Hey, great to yeah. visit with you. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. And uh, <laughs> stay guys. safe. All right. And enjoy the show. And have a good day. All right. Thanks a lot. Okay. Bruce Geetson with us, uh, Baylor women's basketball play-by-play. Appreciate Bruce and his insight 